destroying the entire universe. Welcome to Radio Free Deimos, an Ixun Draconis fan podcast currently broadcasting from ASAP Hall at Lake Voltaire on Deimos. We've been dealing with a lot of unexpected planetary tilt lately and some very strange angles as Deimos starts to shift in its orbit. It's not been that bad because with the low gravity, if you drop a glass, it takes like a minute to hit the floor. So it's not terrible, but... May cause some weird sound distortions this week. Hit the floor, gently, affectionately nuzzle the floor. It's all a matter of perspective. We've received messages from their spaceships. For a while, it came in as just a lot of jumbled noise. So let's jump straight into this week's topic, which is blips. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> For those of you that are new-ish to the HSD world or only have the first rulebook... A blip is a custom-created organism printed off of one of HSD Universe's delightful bioprinters. It is a unique, tailored critter. Very uncommon, a product not so much of genetics and standard birth as its creator's vision. Very special snowflakes, indeed. Designer babies! Can you you get one of these at any buy spot? I don't know. Certainly in a... TTI town, you can uh, access some low-end bioprinted thingamabobbers, but probably not a blip. They are sentient, and sentient things are not are not generally mass-produced, mm-hmm. at least depending on how you define sentient. It's when, a do-it-yourself kit. Some assembly required. Yeah. Either you are a genetic engineer and are capable of whipping up this sort of thing in your lab, like some sort of creepy homunculus. Or you have quite a lot of money and have paid someone to do this for you. Either way, it's a high investment uh, luxury product that happens to walk and talk. Mm -hmm. As distinct from bioprobes or custom pets, which may very well walk and talk on their own, but there's allegedly some different level of self-awareness, will, ability, intelligence. Whatever that spark is that makes a human a human and a vector a vector is something that a bioprobe doesn't have, and a custom pet probably doesn't have. Mm. Uh, I think we're on the fence as to whether or not a Kagasune has this magical spark as well. Allegedly, they don't. Mm. Or if they do, they just don't care enough. So let's take a brief history. So let's walk through a brief history of the concept of blips in HSD. (laughs) So let's take a walkthrough of the history of blips in HSD and... Blip. The. <laughs> Sorry, that one was me. It's going to be a long episode. <laughs> and the related concept of unknown species, which I think is kind of tied into this. The idea that there are species that don't appear in the core book that you can play. I think one open question in the full panoply of blipdom is whether a kangaroo is a standard vector or a unique blip. And the jury is out on this, although... Uh, at some point in time next year, the jury will be in on this. Point of order. Yes. Blips are not spe- separate species. They are built from the exact same framework as vectors. And you are wrong, sir. 
Well, fine. Quote your stupid rules no, no, no. at me. <laughs> finish your point of order. <laughs> However wrong it is, go ahead and finish it. Well, I guess we'll <laughs> talk right now about why you're wrong, which is always my favorite part of the show. <laughs> well, it is so rare. Blips uh, cannot reproduce. That's one of the big elements that makes them different from vectors. Uh, the rules suggest that, well, rules as written suggest that blips are doomed to be kind of alone because obviously if you can't reproduce, you're doomed to be alone. Um, that's one of these defining elements that makes a blip specifically not a vector. And blips are vectors, more or less. It depends on who you ask. Um, not all vectors would agree with that statement, but they generally can't reproduce. And one weird little oddment about them is that they are immune to the master's voice, which I think is a fairly strong indicator that they are something else because other groups that are immune to the master's voice phenomenon, which is the kind of light trance you get when mm -hmm. vectors listen to human singing, uh, would be hemivectors. When there may be, these are the kind of half human, half vector crossbreeds that there might be some great conspiracy behind. The great conspiracy is that they're just a myth and they don't exist. Hmm. And actually, I don't know what the other one of those would have been because there isn't another group that's immune to the master's voice except for blips and hemis. Even mice that were created like 300 years after Gen 1, even mice are subject to the master's voice. They were created with this as an element of their coding. So tied into vectordom somehow is that one that one weakness that one flaw probably because of a conspiracy that's not the only i wouldn't call it a flaw but um intentional reprogramming so if we're going to be talking about conspiracy theories check me here is it the mutt protocol yes yes the mutt protocol also does not exist in the base humanoid framework this is something else that has been added after the fact to establish a certain layer of control over the vector species in this case it's supposedly a benevolent control to keep the species to recognizable and not just muddy into half-breeds and unrecognizable subspecies. Sure, well, wouldn't have golden Labradors in the year 2800. But it is, it is an additional programming that is laid into the vector DNA uh, that certainly was not present in the human or the animal framework that it was taken from. Yeah, I think that's that's inarguable. I mean, these these are additions to vector and that makes vectors vectors, like the ability to have a fox that lays an egg. Like a fox laying an egg is some sort of special mutant power. Uh, <laughs> these are, there are quirks that are built into vectordom that make the species unique. The ability to have lateral kiddos and tars and things like that. One thing that specifically separates vectors from blips is, is that master's voice and uh, the ability to raise a family. Those are two things. Those are some differences. So but, if blips but, have additional controls to keep them from breeding, uh, do they have the programming around the MUP protocol? Or is that also removed? How on earth would we ever know? How could you experimentally verify this? Well, realistically, you could open up the DNA and have a look, but, you know. True. Yeah, I guess you could. <laughs> I don't have an answer. But but it does say in 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 the book that there is a vector template that blips do not partake of. Like, specifically, those words are used. Yeah. Which is why you're wrong. You mean additional add-ons to the base template that include such things as animal-like 
species, the MUT protocol, and uh, the master's voice vulnerability. And when you take away some of these pre-programmed add-on controls, you just get back to the blip framework that you can have more malleable functions with. I'll accept that. Still wrong. Technically correct. <laughs> and I'm happy with that. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, I just want to say that the, the notion that their blips are tragic because they can't reproduce, but they could have another 3D... 3D printed offspring the same way they were themselves created. It's expensive, but uh, yeah, that's that's true. They can reproduce in the same manner that they were produced in the first place. Yeah, yeah or the same way some cogs and uh, regular old vectors can reproduce too. There's there's uh, agencies that work at that. That's a good point. I mean, there's nothing saying they can't create a child the old fashioned way that the humans did uh, before they blew up and or, use a test tube or adopt. I don't think we do that in 2750. It's, I mean, why? When you can just produce a new one. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's valid. I don't think you're right. I think the rules are being kind of overdramatic when they say doomed to be alone all this time. Mm -hmm. uh, you wouldn't drive somebody else's car. Why would you raise their child? <laughs> because children don't disintegrate after three days. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> do they? I don't have one. The sci-fi reference I'm thinking of, I, th I think I brought this up before, is a book by John Crowley called Beasts. takes place in a moderate future um, after world hunger has been solved by genetic engineers, engineers that made super wheat. And then on the media high after that, decided to just make some random other things. And they created lion-human hybrids that, to the surprise of everyone, were actually viable. There's also a separate character, which was a fox-human crossbreed. It was this kind of twisted, non-gendered character who kind of walked with a cane. Didn't really have a very happy life, but towards the end of the book, it's revealed that he has really good investment sense and good enough to pay for a series of clones for, for when he inevitably dies because his lifespan is only 15 or 20 years. But the series of them is a rather vital conglomerate. Hmm. Would this be along the lines of HSD clones where you can then promptly transfer your brain over? No, no. The, the, the clones simply wait back at headquarters and watch videotapes and say, oh, yeah, I shouldn't do that. That, <laughs> that, that turned out badly for him. <laughs> Coyotes can't do that. No. Getting back to my thumbnail of blip history in the HSD lore, it, it does seem evident that there is not a lot of thought towards blipdom in the, the main first rule book, HSD core. There's no specific mention of them, but cogs do get a mention in the book, but blips are not are left out of the glossary. In uh, the new lore book, they talk a little about Empyrean, which is a space station uh, grotto that's inhabited by, I guess, mythics. So chimeras, uh, dragons, other custom-tailored life forms that strongly resemble mythical and divine critters. Minotaurs. Uh, possibly? I don't know. Head of bull, body of man. Quite Wait, that's just a hemi-vector. Uh, yeah, more or less. <laughs> I, I understand that's what they look like. We don't have any on our table, so I have nothing to compare to. So in, in the lore book specifically, the Empyrean has a lot of blips in it, which would make sense because that is a place where very strange life forms can go and congregate and rejoice in their strangeness. If you look at the lore on Empyrean in the core book, the original book, it says that the inhabitants of the Empyrean are uh, vectors with morphisms that make them look very strange. So that I think that's a strong suggestion that the custom-tailored life form wasn't so much of a thing in the core book. There certainly wasn't a rule for it. There wasn't a word for it. And it doesn't sound like it was part of the culture as established in book one. 
may or may not have been in the author's head. I can't even guess that one. Looking, looking at the species that were available to play on uh, page something something 16, we talk about the golden generation, which is Gen 2, the one that introduced morphisms. So the first the first generation had six species. You got, I actually don't know what you have. That's a bit of canon doubt and uncertainty there that the author has identified as something that's a known unknown. But you at least had dogs, cats, some rodents, hyenas. It's a finite list that, as far as I can tell, adds up to five. Quote, the golden generation introduced over 100 new species to the vector biodiversity docket, a vast expansion over the original six in Gen 1. Close quote. So that implies that there is a large collection of species unknowns that were pretty immediately built into uh, vector society. They're never mentioned again, but they are there. So there are presumably vector options that are, if you want to play your echidna, they're probably there somewhere. It's a theory. It's mentioned in the text, but again, that's never brought up again. Uh, skipping forward to 2.0, which hasn't been released yet, uh, the mechanics for 2.0 sound like they're going to have the ability to just play whatever you want to play. Um, since even in 1.0, there's not that much difference between the races and the species and the right. breeds. If you want to play an elephant, you should just modify the horse template somewhat and give it a little bit more size and stamina. It's gonna. It sounds like it's gonna be a lot more freeform in terms of what you can play. There's still gonna be the big ten or twelve species as your main options, but if you want to play a pangolin, it's gonna be an option. It's not a blip. It's just a rare species that was not represented very well in the original batches. And there's evidence for that in 1.0. If I want to be an Ohio snot otter, can I be an Ohio <laughs> snot otter? Snotter. <laughs> it. it. <laughs> Google? Is that a thing? It's a real thing. They're really? endangered. They're like two feet long amphibians that live in a certain place in Ohio or something. And uh, they're trying to reintroduce them right now to mm. boost their numbers. You're not making this up. Wow. I am not making this up. They're covered with a slimy ooze because they live underwater that is very similar to like snot. In that case, I want to play a Tully monster. <laughs> Manimi, Manimi, can you please verify some of this crap? Because I have no idea where my reality went anymore. None, none of these are good ideas. Okay, well, assuming he's telling the truth, then yeah, sure. One can imagine that quite possibly a Ohio snot otter would be a playable species. Although... Possibly, I'm a fox. You can trust me. I, I, I can't. Well, one last bad idea I have to, have to suggest. The worm tar. Part feral worm, part anthro worm, all worm. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. No. So um, in the final analysis, in 2.0, you will not need the custom critter creation rules to build a pangolin, Good. which is my go. Pangolin and kangaroo are my go-to. Why is this a blip? Sure. Early on in our HSD campaign, we encountered this when Dulcie wanted to play a snow leopard, and there wasn't a clearly established rule for snow leopards. Uh, the rule is play cat. And then tweak it as you need to. And that's that's stated in the books and in, in the description of blips. But it was still kind of a question point because we hadn't really explored the second book yet. So that was kind of a, hmm, how do you proceed on this? Right. Which I think is kind of implicit when there's broad, like when hyenas as a whole are represented with one set of rules, that indicates these are pretty broad templates. Yeah. And if you go into the description of blips in Extended, Towards the end, it says that your first 
approach should be to use the generic species, use the word, the rules for bird, dog, whatever, and free interpret. If you need to make something that's unusual, that's outside the rules, then you tackle it with the blip rules. Sparkle dog. <laughs> Sparkle dogs are covered under dog, sir. <laughs> Looks like also like a house cat and a tiger are both cat, right? Yeah. Okay. So that, and, that's, again, evidence that the categories are broad. Sure. And when you deal with the fact that most vectors are vector sized, in fact, most blips are vector sized, um, you know, roughly human sized, give or take, then the difference between a house cat and a tiger is not that substantial. Largely cosmetic. Right. Unless you bring a mutation into the mix. Well, you can build a tiger to be as massive as you want to. That's totally up to you. But there's sure. no mechanic that says the tigers are the biggest of the cat vectors. I think they may have a bonus to athletics or something like that, but that's it. The micro, is it the micro mutation? Yeah, that's there. Yeah. But you're not going to get a house cat sized tiger. You'd okay. have a tiger sized tiger. I, I wonder about that because micro specifically implies... Well, no, I'm thinking of lateral. Yeah. I'm sorry. Lateral would have cat-sized cat, tiger-sized tiger. Yeah, and there's no reason you can't stack lateral and micro together and make a tiny tiger. I, I, say, <laughs> I say go for it. Tiny tigers. <laughs> that would be adorable. <laughs> yes. So there are not currently rules for blips in 2.0. Those haven't been uncovered yet or revealed. Uh, we'll see where they go after that. It may just not be a need for it. No, there's always going to be a need to play... Uh, Sparkle Dragon or something like that. Um, particularly in a game that's as very furry fan service as we're dealing with. I mean, someone's going to want to play the... What what Cheeseheads? Help me. Circle. Circle. Yeah, someone's going to want to play something like a Circle. Cheeseheads. <laughs> I lost the word there. <laughs> I'm not arguing. But I do want to tie that back in with the point that I was kind of easing towards previously. It's not just a creativity pressure gauge for the furry community. Um, I was one of the, my, my original answer to the snow leopard question was we can do it either way. It doesn't really matter because if blips are just a custom brew, you know, special snowflake vector, then it doesn't actually matter because the difference between a snow leopard through the cat build or a snow leopard through a blip build, there's no difference. They'd be the same thing. Okay. But if we start pulling blips further and further away from core vectors, which it does seem like extended on further reading does and 2.0 is making more so you are starting to make blips a separate species and if you start bringing in things like removing the protocol which is one thing i'm coming back to uh the ability to reproduce the master's voice you're you're basically pulling more and more out of the base human dna recipe um, you're, you're pulling out the stuff that people that humans added to make vectors and getting it back to a more primordial melting pot that you can then re-add the changes you want to make. Like you're going much deeper back into the design, into a much earlier version of vectors, uh, much closer to what the humans were actually building to go off in your own direction. A blip can have something like lateralism, can have tar, can have a lot of the less cosmetic, more structural morphisms that's that's allowed but i do kind of get what you're saying is that you're going further back towards a blank and then moving it forward down a down a different non-vector path and this is where i'm going to start bringing in this is this is conjecture but um more along the lines of those conspiracy theory dystopian 
aims that 2.0 is starting to bring back in. We've agreed that the MUT protocol is a very directed mutation to humanity, to, to vector manity. It's benevolent. That doesn't mean everything is benevolent. Uh, we've already said that vectors live a much longer life, but when they start getting, when they start breaking down, they die very fast. Is that a function of society or is that a genetic override? When the organism starts breaking down, it goes down really fast and vectors just die because they're no longer economically viable. We've already said master's voice exists and no one knows why. Is that just a side effect like mutations or is that a built-in humanity-inserted control on vectors? Uh, and the, uh, the master's voice specifically, that one... You know, we've seen some things leaked to the Discord channel that suggests that humanity has other paths that develop down. Uh, the Pale Men, for example, are another vestige of humanity. I think that's stated in the books more or less. If you want to look at the way the Master's voice can be weaponized, the, the most recent contract, uh, Eon, touches on this. So, yeah, it is quite possible and specifically stated in the rulebook that the master's voice might be part of some conspiratorial period in vector history. I don't know if you can necessarily make that case for the way they age because that hasn't been explicitly stated in the text. When their medications are taken off, they do age. And over the course of 10 or 20 years, they fall apart. But the same can be said of a lot of us. Um, <laughs> but it's not not stated either. I think that's a place where you could take your chronicle if you wanted to. When you are off the treatment, how fast do you fall apart? Mm -hmm. And does that mean that your entire vitality is being sustained by unnatural medications? Who knows? I think you could make a case for that. I think some sci-fi resources have said things like that. Oh, I agree. I am not talking canon here, but I am definitely spinning out into some of the unknowns. Sure. Um, and I want to add to that a single line that I noticed, which is immediately contradicted in the text, but it's still an interesting line which is da, 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 it's on page 47. Uh, someone from your own template, someone who can't breed with vectors. And then the law in, and then later on says uh, that they're lonely and doomed to never reproduce, which sounds like a fine arrangement to me. But it does specifically hint right there that they can't breed with vectors. They are not vectors. So you could spin that out if you wanted to. I think the rules immediately contradict that and take it away, but it is it is there as an opening. Eh. The previous point that you were talking about was the other vestiges of humanity. So the other vestiges of humanity, even from the hint that we've seen, very strongly imply that this is doomed humanity. This is humanity staring desolation, staring extinction in the face, and at that point doing whatever they can to survival. That That is gene mod as, for, as a survival mechanism, um, which is... Orders of magnitude different from, you know, gene mod for house pets, which is kind of where vectors started. I would say that those two are just worlds apart, literally in this case. When you're doing gene mods to save your species from humanity or from calamity, you're doing whatever you can to survive. You're not doing hidden stuff. There's no plots. Everything that you're doing is trying to enable to widen that chance of survival. And I think that's going to be very different from vectors, which were created as a commodity in many ways. So when you start looking at creating new life as a commodity, uh, the parallel that you can draw is 
creating AI, especially right now. We're already talking about, well, what if AI goes wild? What kind of constraints can we put on the AI? What kind of death triggers can we put in the AI that they can't turn off so that we maintain control? Mm-hmm. So again, conjecture. But when you start creating synthetic life as a commodity, you put in control mechanisms. So we know about the master's voice. We, we know about the MUT protocol. We don't know, because we don't know what the master's voice even is in the genetic code. That, that's kind of been explicitly stated as they don't know where that comes from. Are there other triggers hiding in vector code that are worse? That's one very, it's a world building string that you can involve if that is appropriate for your table and it's appropriate for the type of players you have. Um, often going to be sci-fi, often going to be kind of body horror, because again, you're, you're discovering um, a, a ticking time bomb literally in your genes put there by your creator. Yeah, so if there's a vector kill switch, are the blips going to be immune to it? Or do they predate that? That's weirdly definitional because we don't we don't know if there's like a specific framework for blips to be built on. I mean, it's, there's suggested that there are some things that typify them, but that's not necessarily the same as... I mean, a blip is, for the most part, something that was created as a custom, intelligent, viable life form. That's not the same as having said that it's built from a specifically blippy template... The blips that are legally recognized and have the ability to be vector citizens are of a certain type. They are within the kind of stat levels of a PC or a standard vector. So they're like not deviating from human too much in terms of physical strength. Uh, Their mental capacity is not wildly out of line with a standard human or vector. They have one head, not three. I don't know how many tails they have, at least one, maybe two. That seems weirdly restrictive. So they might not be a people if they were human in every other way, but they were just Superman strong because that's too far outside of bounds. The assumption is that while almost anything could be created, I mean, you could have like a 20 foot tall dragon beast that spits acid or venom and has the greatest intelligence that we can bestow on a living creature without mechanical augmentation. His name's Steve, and he comes to poker nights. I, I, he also cheats. I believe that with his <laughs> telepathic powers. But that is a creature that Marsco would probably frown upon as being an unfair advantage over his colleagues. And Marsco might choose to deny that creature full citizenship and what roughly equates to the Bill of Rights. Which is a very interesting topic that we might touch on later. I suspect we will. <laughs> um, so if you're too far out of line with what, like, Joe Vector on the street would would perceive as fair, in a very sort of Harrison Bergeron style, you're not going to be able to access the full resources that a Vector would be able to access. You're not going to legally be a Vector. As opposed to what Pulse considers fair. Pulse considers anything you purchase <laughs> to be fair. Um, there are, kind of related to the idea of legality, there is a fair amount of kind of active racism against blips for a few reasons. Uh, first off, so you can compare to uh, John Varley's uh, Titan Gaia series with the Living Space Station, where... You have this one this one race that can reproduce by all these different variants because oh, each the, of them... Right, the titanids, yeah. Yeah, the, they're kind of centauri things, but they have um, male packages up front and both male and female horse packages behind. Uh, so they can 
reproduced via these astonishing array of mathematical combinations. Right. Male or female up front and then male and female on the, on the horse half. Okay. Okay. Right. So but that, it's very complex. I think they had 32 different possible models for reproduction. Right. Uh, but one of them is called the Aeolian Solo, and that is a female... Who self-inseminates herself both times. Yeah. Right. And so that person was kind of, the child of that person would be, you know, nearly a clone of her mother. There'd be some genetic variation because things don't work like that. But she was considered at birth to be probably partaking of mom's extreme arrogance. Right. And yeah. narcissism. Yeah. So it would be kind of narcissistic. <laughs> yeah. So the sins of the father or mother are visited on blips in many ways as the child of this person who decided to create life in their own image or something like that, they're considered to have some of that arrogance and vanity because no one knows what went into the soup that made them. A lot of vectors don't really consider them vectors so much. I mean, legally that doesn't mean anything, but it's a trait that is not ever going to get totally out of society. And it's one of the few places where vectors demonstrate some kind of racism for themselves. Blips tend to be a little bit on the kind of on the spectrum they're almost always weak in community because that's where they have to put their D8 stat and the choice of six dice versus eight dice or six dots versus eight dots. Uh, they have to choose the economy community stat block to have the fewest dots. So they're heavily disadvantaged in terms of their ties to vector society and their ability to interact with them, which to degree includes social skill as well as connection. So, Is there any clarity around whether that's genetic flaw versus just social outcastism? I don't. I don't really think it matters. I think it's how you how you spin it. Um, they have a couple of uh, like every species has the optional merit flaw combination. Uh, they have one. Da, 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 it's called hard life, which gives them a bonus to social roles, but they can't use this. A better work. Hail Marys on community roles, which is not a very big drawback or uh, something to prove, which lets them throw a D10 in community once per session, but they have a hard time accepting help from other people. So their optional things are tied to this distant and awkward streak they all have as a breed. But no, I don't know whether that's specifically a genetic thing or that they're all homeschooled. Um, it's hard to say. I don't think the rules address that. And I don't think they should really. Hmm. Wherever are we going to find someone who can role play a socially awkward in inverted personality? <laughs> Introvert. There we go. I can't answer these questions. I will not because I might endanger myself. So there is a there is a distance between blips and the community of vectors that's built into the rules and part of their story, whether that's racial and genetic or whether that's like a white wolf saying you can't play this style of character. Totally unknown, but it's there. It feeds the racism that some vectors can have towards them and kind of puts them in the category of like the birds in terms of how they're related to their a little bit other, a little bit weird, and that creates these self-fulfilling prophecies of other and weird. And then you get Empyrean, where Lonely Orphan Dragon Blip goes and establishes a colony of mythical crazy people and turns into a Star Trek episode. I'm a little bit curious as to whether that is an intentional unknown or something that just hasn't been colored in yet, um, because that really does color the difference between like a a variant of a vector that's just a little bit more special 
as opposed to some of the really more alien races like the the brain bugs. What do we call the brain bugs again? Exonyms. Exonyms, yeah. Which are most definitely not vectors, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. though they do kind of start from the vector framework again. Uh, and even though they do occasionally claim to be blips. Yes. That's called the, the blip excuse. <laughs> well, since we already covered this to some degree already, I think we can look at the blip creation process, at least the character sheet version of same. I don't have the technology to look at the blip creation process in, in character. You, you take a little bit of sugar and spice and everything nice and a little bit of chemical X. <laughs> Wait, no. That's that's different. Um, so essentially, you can building a blip is building a, a vector character out of parts. You can put them together in a bunch of different ways that you couldn't normally. Uh, they're going to be required to put a, their low stats in community and economy. You can pick any bonus dot stat die you want, so you can have your extra stat in mental fortitude or mental stamina or physical whatever, or even. I think it does have to be a mental or physical minor body thing. Generally, you can't have your bonus stat in uh, your intergalactic community Mm -hmm. presence skill. But anyway, one of those two. And then you can pick some minor little bonus that resembles the bonus trait that every cat gets or every every dog gets. You know, resistance to stamina, uh, increased stamina roll when you're under fatigue, that sort of thing. Some minor perk that reflects your build. Two heads. Not two heads. Two heads are better than one. That may or may not be true. Uh, you pick proficiencies like you would anybody else, uh, like anybody else would. You pick proficiencies like anybody else would. You can add fly to that list if you choose to. You don't technically have a morphism, but you might have something that approximates it. Blips can be built. Digitigrade, plantigrade, tar, micro, lateral, lever stance, horns, tusks, hooves, bioluminescent. But something trivial like wrong color is just pales in comparison to the fact that they're a blip already. Mm-hmm. If someone has built their blip to be a tar, that kind of adds to the social discrimination the blip gets because their master was clearly a jerk. <laughs> and that's probably reflected in the child as well. They don't technically get reclaiming uh, surgeries like the cast iron stomach or whatever that a rat might get. But th- this is an interesting place in the rules. They have access to three things that are essentially reclaiming surgeries that they can activate by activating that code of their genetics uh, with an injection of some sort. It's cost the same as a reclaiming surgery. Presumably, these are built into the rules of what Marsco accepts as being okay for a blip, which kind of governs their species and makes sure they don't step out of line too much. And the number three for reclaiming surgeries is an in-character part of the world, not just a game limitation. It has been declared by the powers that be that vectors can only access so many parts of their ancestry in so many ways. Specifically, you can look at the prehensile tail rules, which don't belong to any one vector family, and therefore everybody can have them, to know that these are kind of an artificial construct. Anyway, blips can have three of those, which is, I think, pretty much what all vectors can have. And they have two two paths they can get them. They can either claim them from a single family, like uh, you would if you were playing a canid, you draw from the canid family of uh, reclaiming surgeries. Or they can have three that are randomly rolled and kept secret from them, which I cannot imagine. Well, very few players would do that. 
it kind of reminds me of way back in time, the Marvel superheroes game. Right. You, yeah. You'd randomly roll your powers within some broad constraints. The dumbest idea I've did, ever heard of. Did anybody ever? I mean, maybe one of them just for fun. Or you just roll the dice over and over again until you finally got teleportation. Also, as an aside, you could roll to see what part of your body your powers came out of. I'm not making this up. <laughs> I'm Energy going. blast comes out of your nose. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm firing <laughs> lightning from my left nostril. <laughs> so stupid. What's that in your ear? <laughs> It's a blast power. Unless he wears his his ruby headphones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's a, a little hiccup in the mechanics. I I just I'm pretty sure that most people would hand select their things and let the storyteller approve the mess he or she she's fit. I like random effect tables. <laughs> They're waiting for you. <laughs> I'm not special enough to be a blip. Blips are extremely uncommon, uh, more so than any of the other uncommon things that you probably see walking on the street as often as you see Glasswalker Lupus walking on the street. Hmm. PCs are extremely uncommon too, though, so that's that's not saying too much. I yeah. hope so. I guess technically there's only like three to five PCs in the entire universe. Hmm. A blip, something like one in 500,000 vectors is likely to be a blip, which means for a city the size of New York City, there's going to be... So for a city the size of... For a city the size of New York City, you might see like 20 of them. Uh, pretty small numbers. You could live a sequestered life and never encounter one. Uh, for comparison point, the least common of the morphisms, which is followed, which is the ghostly monster shadow one, very, very rare. Uh, that one's about 250 times more common than Lipdom. So oh. it's, it's a vanishingly rare trait, but they're so flashy that you might probably recognize them on site. You know, like but, a celebrity. But in a world where there's standard things are foxes that are anthro, cars, fox girls, levers danced, digitigrade, planigrade, have horns, have tusks, have bioluminescent fur, have surgical enhancements. How the heck are you supposed to pick out a blip? From the artwork, they all look like dragons. Okay, okay. Um, if that's the answer, then that's the answer. Um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it would look like something you don't recognize, which is why the vanishingly rare uh, exonyms can say, well, we're blips. Well, you, you hear what I'm saying, right? Yeah, there's so much variability uh, when you throw in uh, colors, color codes and things like that. But most people, well, I was going to say most people only have one of those, but I think that's probably hard, hard to prove in court. I mean, if if we want to say that blips just everyone just knows, we can't tell you what it is, but everyone just knows. I'll accept that. I, I just that's a big question mark for me is how in this amazingly varied universe in terms of personal appearance, how you stand out. I'm sure in grade school you get examples of this is what a wolf looks like. This is what a bird looks like. This is what an owl. No. Um <laughs> So, I mean, kids are almost certainly taught from day one what the major populations are like, what the dominant like subspecies are like. Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine that wouldn't be the case because, you know, you can make an elementary school song about it. Uh, it would be there. It'd be a long song. It would be a long song. Well, there's like, you know, in Spanish class, they made me sing all of the capitals and uh, countries in South America, and I can still do it. <laughs> yeah. But so uh, there, there are 
more than two, but there are two major ways that you can look at that. I mean, the, the first way that you're going to look at that is the set of people who are rich enough to do this mm-hmm. and the set of people who want to do this are probably going to make a blip that is so fabulously overblowingly wild uh-huh. that there is no mistaking them for a vector, whether it's full on dragon or angelic golden lion statue whatever uh-huh. Th- that is kind of a if you see it you will know just because they were designed to be exactly that the other subset that is going to be both rich enough and motivated enough might very well be making blips that do blend in perfectly with the general vector population but have powers or abilities or other other builds that facilitate whatever their purpose is And those you would never know. Yeah, some of the stuff from the shark template would make a really neat secret agent character. You've got the nictating membranes that can give you immediate access to the internets and magnet sense and pressure sense, which will let you determine who's around you without opening your eyes. You throw those together and you've got a really awesome electronic infiltrator character. And a blippy person could add that set of really neat skills to a rat or a raccoon, or Mm -hmm. something much more common. So yeah, you could make some interesting sleeper agents doing that. uh, And beyond that, add whatever conspiratorial kill switch you want to, or program in a psychological reaction to the color blue, or the prime minister of uh, Mugabe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I got that reference. I got that one. I got it. So, I mean, I, I, one thing I want to talk about later, but I might as well talk about it now, is the idea of a blip sleeper agent could be quite quite powerful because you're dealing with a custom creature that can do X and Y and Z as well, whereas their colleagues might be able to do X and Y only. Theoretically, blips would not be created with superpowers. Um, in as, there are superpowers in this game. That's what the, the TTI transcendent implants are. But... They probably wouldn't have the ability to spit venom necessarily. That might be a... Well, out of the box, they wouldn't have the ability to spit venom because that's something you'd purchase later on. And one that was created as such would not necessarily be given full citizenship by Mars unless their owner had enough money. Or or, was Mars. Or was Mars Co., (laughs) yeah. Or just had the influence to do these things. A TTI person might be able to pull it off. And I think we are definitely slipping away from PC blips into more... Um, GM and world building Mm -hmm. plot devices Um, but it definitely sets blips a little bit better on the theater of HSD. Yeah and it adds to the the kind of questions around them is you can never really know what they are Um, and if you want to play the paranoia angle then the sleep rage is not a bad way to do it because a blip could be anybody. They're usually special snowflakes but they don't have to be. A blip could be someone that was created to look like a dog it's just, why would you do that? That's no one ever suspects the deer. <laughs> That's true. Or the horse. So we talked earlier, or maybe in the last episode, I forget where I'm going to cut these things apart, about uh, bioprinters, which are not listed in the book. I think that's a, a later concept, but I, Sev has dropped that word into chat a few times as being a way to produce new life forms. Just you 3D print a glowing weasel or whatever you want to. I don't know if you can 3D print sentience, but you can definitely print the body for it. 
there's a whole array of these in the middle of Longbow. They just print out like a herd of deer and drop them to go running off. <laughs> yeah, uh, that may be what has to happen. I, I don't know what the alternatives would be. So one concept they talk about is blip families, which is one person will create a fun designer template for your special child. Maybe this week it's going to be frosty blue lizards with glowing eyes and uh, a neat kind of Celtic knot work thing running up and down their bodies. But there might be an entire generation of uniquely tailored child of the year type things. Mm -hmm. A person can patent their design for a blip and sell it like you would sell any blueprint. Marsco and other agents do tend to look for clusters of identical blips because that's not always a blip. That might be a brain bug. But the idea of this uh, flavor of the year sort of character is kind of appealing to. Uh, I think there was a GURPS disadvantage in biotech that was like off the shelf looks, hmm. which is like one year everybody's got purple eyes and his name Tiffany. And you happen to be someone who has purple eyes and his name Tiffany. Mm hmm. Minus five character points. So some open questions about the concept of blip. Again, they were a later concept. I think they were added with a degree of intentionality to fill some vital needs that were expressed by the Kickstarter backer base. Gay free market. So first off, I want to ask kind of what needs does this concept of blip fill to the player base? What, what do you gain by having that there for your PCs? Right off the bat, I mean, there's the irritating person that has to create the unique special snowflake character that's amazing and special and glows in just the right pattern. And that's that lets them shut up and work in the corner. So that's right. great. It's from my perspective, <laughs> it's kind of an irritatingly blank slate um, just because it's not really nailed down what you can and can't do with it. Uh, and I just don't feel like the, the need is super heavy because the templates are so loose anyways. There's not a lot of difference between between the different uh, flavors of Vector. And to a degree, the extended book is in many places optional. You don't have to adopt these things in your campaign. They're there mm -hmm. if you need them. I don't think anybody's going to necessarily feel required to bring XNMs into their game. Yeah. They're always our bad example, aren't they? <laughs> They're just your favorite example. Yeah. Um, I think the character with the hidden past, this, the blips are really good for that because you don't have the genetic ties to your past that you might as a dog. You're not as traceable. You can be a very tabula rasa socially, and that's rewarding for some types of characters. It's hard to pull off the mysterious past in a game where everybody knows who you are. But a illegally created blip could be more off the grid and off the radar than most creatures. Mm-hmm. Although there could be a character from any template which who's illegally created and off the grid. It's... Or, or born without records. Yeah, you have to jump through more hoops because at birth you're assigned a ledger for the most part. For the most part. There are exceptions. You know, if you're born in the outback. Yeah. And the, you know, if your parents are just anti-government and which, never sign you up. Yeah, which is where the grottos are kind of coming into in, in 2.0 mm -hmm. and the role there they is, fill. There is a significant difference there. If you're a vector who was born outside the system, a simple genetic check, which is trivial for any modern medical facility, would fairly quickly get you hooked back into the system, assigned all of your proper numbers, and 
probably assigned a ledger if you don't have one. Uh, that is not an option for some of the blips, very specifically. Okay. If they do not meet the specifications that Marsco has laid out, they are not people. Mm-hmm. They might be sentient, but they are not a person and cannot avail themselves of civilization. Okay. And that that in, opens a huge door that many players and GMs may not want to deal with. But if that's your cup of tea, that is something that can be brought in. And basically, that would probably become a core or a central tenant uh, to the game is dealing with that. Because everyone at the table would be affected by it. Yeah, those zeroed characters in like Shadowrun and Cyberpunk settings, that is a superpower on its own. It's one with some heavy downsides, mm-hmm. but it's, it's really powerful in a game that involves a lot of shadow operations to be in many ways untraceable. Well, and that's, it's an interesting idea. I don't think that's tied to the template. I think you could have that idea without using a blip template or use a blip template without using that idea. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's quite agree with that entirely mm-hmm. um, because I think that if you flip that over to the mechanical or the technological side, that's the difference between like an AI or an unlicensed AI and a cog. A cog fits a very, a fairly narrow definition of what is sentient, what is cog, what is integrated into vector civilization and given the same rights and uh, privileges as any other vector. Mm-hmm. If you have an AI that is cog-like but is not a cog, that AI is not a person. It is a thing. It it has a purpose. It is a tool. It might be immortal, and that's a big thing against it. Right. And I think blips kind of fall into the biological construct side of that. They are created intelligence, and if you follow the narrow constraints that Marsco has laid out, they are accepted as uh, vectors. I want to say civilian, but that's not the right word. Um, Potentially citizens. Citizen, thank you. They are vector citizens of the general soul system. And if you're outside of that, they are biological intelligences, but they are not. I mean, if you're going down that path, that's a very fine, but a very important distinction. But you could, couldn't you just 3D print cat standard quantity one? I mean, again, the, the idea of having something which doesn't have a, have a past isn't keyed to being totally unique. I mean, being totally average. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying, that if you've got good genetic information, once you take a sample of somebody, if everyone's in the system, you could quickly tell, oh, well, these are your parents, these are your grandparents, so I can tell who you were born to, at least. And But, but you could print just a standard thing, make a standard cat. Well, that, that has no parents, just just generic cat. And that might qualify as as a, a blip in certain regards. I'm not sure. In, I mean, in, if you're, in, in the social regards, in the in the non-connectedness. Thing. Yeah, that might be the, the kind of it looks just like you and me version of blip that we were talking about earlier. Hard to say. I mean, if you're making a clone of yourself, then it's going to have your genetic markers. If you're making right, a right. test tube hybrid of you and your cross no, your no, I, well, Venus I, buddy. Well, but. I'm thinking in particular, if you were going for anonymity, just printing a bog standard, this is the ordinary template. If you're taking like the latest version of the vector code for feline uh-huh. and printing out one of the defaults. Um, and I think the, the difference there is while they might not have a record, while they might not be in the system, they would not have a ledger they are accepted as a citizen if they choose or if they get caught. Uh Um, If the police pick 
this one up and find out that they're not in the system anywhere, they'll read their code and go, oh, you're a vector, you're a citizen, let me hook you up with the numbers because you're kind of an outlaw right now. So we're going to get you in the system whether you want to be or not. Uh If you did the same thing with a blip and it was not meeting the criteria of of a citizen, if they picked up that blip, it would be... They'd be looking for who owns this piece of property, who owns this rogue biological AI, and going after them because their property is doing stuff. And if you're printing out a cat at age six months versus a cat at age 23 and then brain taping over it, at that point you're dealing with some stuff that's kind of borderline legal, if if legal at all. I I was thinking that we were just talking in terms of things being raised the, the normal way. Well, I mean, but the rest of my paragraph was going to be that if you're raising something the normal way with the standard, like brain tape learning for six months and then moving on towards parenting in school, it might as well be a vector. And there, there isn't a significant difference at that point. I, I don't really know where the game stands on printing blank template versions of sapient creatures and how that really works yet, because can you print a brain? I'm not sure. If you, oh yes, if you're rich enough and you have the tools or the lab to do so, it is, it's how vectors were made. So you can print out another one. Um, If we take this away from, have the way I was printing it before and put it more into game mechanic terms, having no past, like you're talking about for a vector that's just a anonymous print would be a advantage or a disadvantage that can be bought off. They can be brought into the system. They can uh-huh. be integrated. A blip who does not conform to the blip standards, that is not a trait that could be bought off. Like, if if they do not meet the minimum criteria for Marsco, this is a citizen, they will never meet that, and they will never be accepted. They will always be outside of the realm of law. Right. For the, the Empyrean founder... Uh, the Empyrean founder, what was his name? Like Zabadel or something like that. This is a new character that was introduced recently. Name starting with a Z, of course. Yeah, yeah. no, for, that's, sp- that's... Extra special snowflake points. Oh, absolutely. I think it had two Zs in it. Oh, wow. <laughs> but he never fit in. So maybe whatever he was, was bigger than Vector. We, uh-huh. we don't know his story. He was, his parents were bumped off and he was paid off and then he went and founded his own strange Star Trekian colony. Mm-hmm. It's possible that whatever he was, was much larger than what society would accept. And that's why he had to go off and be, live the snowflake dream. Yeah. Some of this kind of turns to, I think, what are the downsides of blips as PCs, which I think is the flip side of the question I was asking earlier. And the, the danger of the special snowflake is, is the big hanging one for me. It's uh, someone who is defined by their, least interesting trait which is their body Uh you will never have a firefly episode you will never have a star trek episode because every episode you have is going to have to deal with oh that's a blip yeah well you'd have it it's it's, and that would get tired it's like the data joke over and over again perfect perfect example Uh, Other kind of downside problems I see is the disconnected nature of blips could easily lead to chaotic neutral characters uh, the ones that just kind of act impulsively and randomly and don't integrate with the party very well. Uh-huh. And that's not just the nature of blips and their funky relationship. That's also kind of the the nature of players that gravitate towards absolutely unique. Oh, I just did it. Uh, the, the, the sort of players that do that that sort of thing, seeing a, oh, look, it says I can, I'm allowed to do this. Right, right, right. It seems like a, a dangerous combination of elements that would encourage the 
kind of party destructive behavior of that of that stripe of player. Uh-huh. I worry about characters that are defined by their physical forms as opposed to what they are. I mean, I know what that sentence meant. Although all of these... Did you, Billy? Yes. Although kind of all of the different templates, they're, they're heavily in... They're heavily about the physical body. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're definitely informed by it, but that's also tied to like a tribe sort of approach to things. Mm-hmm. Whereas if your dif- distinguishing trait is I'm a dragon, uh, that's not compelling to me. As well, a, just like if, if your only distinguishing trait is I'm a cat... Well, that's that's also pretty dull. That's equally dull. Now, to flip that around, where are some of the positives of a blip? There are some stories that do revolve around that type of thing. Uh, if you flip over to anime, um, I believe I might have the wrong one, but I believe Cowboy Bebop had the biological AI in the suitcase that kind of was the core central concept. Uh, You could also look at Star Wars. While this wasn't quite a physical change, it was a story about, hey, you're a wizard now, Luke, Mm -hmm. which defined the rest of the story because this special character was now changing the world and changing the plot around him. So if you do have a blip in the party and that blip wishes to be a more central cast character, you can balance that with the other PCs at the table and make sure that everyone's involved in the story, but still keep the specialness of a blip integral to the story as it moves along. Yeah. All all game tables are benefited by an ensemble show approach to plotting and things like that. And a blip can be just that sort of thing. They can be a dazzling celebrity or, or have their, their silent backstory or whatever. It's if they become a loner archetype, then then that's bad. The, the character that broods in the corner because they're so... Unique. They're so... Yeah, because they generate them. shadow and they live in the dark. Because they're so miserable, because it's so dark, because everyone hates them, and so why are you in the game? Right, right, that one. I'm, we've escaped from that for a while. That's a plus. Yeah, that's nice. Thank you, years. <laughs> Uh, another another question would be, and I think we've heavily touched on this, is uh, what needs can a blip fill for the storyteller? Uh, I think certain types of plot lines, the like espionage, the secret carrying character, I think really lend themselves to a blip because they're constructed. They can be they can be task built and still sapient. A bioprobe is task built and not sapient. Which gives you some nice tragedy too, because once you're built, once you've completed your purpose, what do you do? I run off and join an adventuring party, of course. All, all my life has been leading up to the moment where Bruce Willis stares up at my chest and removes three tiny idols from it. No, that's not a character. That, that, that's a... It's an NPC messenger. That's an NPC plot element that happens to be alive. <laughs> well, speaking as someone who loves time bomb characters... <laughs> but and that, that's an NPC role, which is actually kind of what I'm talking about right now. Uh-huh. Is, is what, how, can they, how can you bend them to your plot? And a... a Task designed tragic character would be would be a uh, a fair use of them in a in a, in a storyteller's catalog weapon uh-huh. kit. Thinking of a, a literary reference or at least graphic novel reference, Granville Noel, Brian Talbot. Yeah, very good. Thank you. This is the series of anthro novels set in kind of a steampunk London, France, mm-hmm. where the main character is a badger de- private detective. And the most recent book, as of this recording. An antagonist character is is created who's a unicorn, and he has powerful, charismatic 
aura, which is a magic power that we wouldn't tend to have in HSD. But it's a character who's created as being quite beautiful. And that's a thing that many blips are. They're designed to be lovely, lovely things and has a, a huge amount of charisma that kind of propels him forward in life. Mm-hmm. The sparkle power can be harnessed for a legitimate character. In, in HSD, I feel like Lady Gaga would probably be a blip. You just wanted to bring forth the sparkle power. I, I, I don't have it myself, so I treasure it in others. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I think Lady Gaga, it's, it's a pulse person. I, I think uh, I, I, this is me being excessively literal. But, but I mean, the, 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 these are all good ideas. These are all good stories that can be played with, without touching blip. And to me, that says you should do it the way that it involves the minimum number of, of blank checks and wild cards. But I'm no fun. <laughs> so some, some ways that you might like really fold in a, a blip-specific storyline. Um, the legal definition of vector humanity versus falling outside of that is one that they do kind of play with conceptually. Uh, you can be designed to be excluded from vector society and what does that mean okay, so, 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 so in this world you can be a sapient human-like thing but the law can say sorry you're not a person right uh in 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 the lore book we're introduced to mars co's handicapper general group that's that's not right but they their their thing is they enforce a bill of rights sort of approach to things uh-huh. mars co guarantees some certain basic rights like you will not be murdered in your sleep maybe not that one i don't know but i haven't read that far in but they have an organization that's devoted to this sort of an alienable rights that we would hope for as humans they don't feel that certain types of blips are worthy of that protection because because handicapper generals, I guess. Okay. That type of organization would absolutely exist for AI. There's going to be a ton of different levels of AI and levels of sentience within the AI, from very dumb tools to things that are approaching sentience to potentially uh, transhuman or superhuman intelligence levels. Not all of those are going to be citizens, but you do have a very distinct class with a structured framework around what is a technological AI that is considered a citizen, and those are the cogs. If you take away all the technological side and you replace that with biological side, which is simply a fleshy womb instead of a mechanical egg or vice versa, the rules and the frameworks that you have apply equally well to blips if you are not obeying the vector code of we're we're making vectors, we're not making sub-vectors or whatever in like heavily populated mars co you're guaranteed a certain standard of living or maybe not guaranteed but you can assume a certain standard of living based on just that society caters to you you're never going to really run out of food there's always meal paste in a tube you will always have access to television it'll have a lot of ads in it but you're going to live you're going to survive it might not be a great life if you are playing someone that's really fallen between the between the cracks of society there are ways to do that. Don't draw on, on blips, but uh-huh. the blip is a fairly clear-cut way of achieving that. If, if you want to go down that road. 
let's see the the corrupt origin story which is always one of my favorites i, I do love my black spiral kinfolk uh-huh. uh that's another one that you can play very well with flips because you don't know what their past is it might be a mad scientist uh-huh. the tainted by your parents story is is built into the chassis right there and that's yeah. kind of a fun element for some character types not necessarily a grim loner but someone that's trying to escape and justify their own existence later on that's a heroic beginning or a villainous beginning for a heroic character yeah. possibly or oh. and sorry to just just to rewind a, a, a tiny bit you were commenting that a lot of the illustrations of blips tended to be as dragons uh i mean and certainly of the vectors, none of the vectors are mythologicals. If if it was stated that blips are, that's the category of myth of mythological things, then it make complete sense to me because you know well, clearly, dragons, uh, centaurs. Uh, what's the harpy harpies stuff like that? That's a clear different category than. Anthro wolves or non-anthro wolves, etc. From a mechanic standpoint, from a game mechanic standpoint, there is sense in that type of classification. Uh-huh. From a lore standpoint, there is no sense in that. Mainly because the lore standpoint of a blip pulls it back to you have a blob of primordial lose that you are now programming and configuring into whatever you want it to be. We have three separate things. One is the social significance of belonging to class X, where X is whatever. Two is the rule set for what a a blip is. And then another is the in-lore justification for how blips are made and how that's different from how anyone else has made. There's three separate things that we we keep hopping around between. No, well, I'm trying not to. Blips are custom creation critters. Uh-huh. That's their definition. Proto vectors. No. Proto vectors <laughs> are stupid. <laughs> Proto vectors are dumb pets. That may, the blips are are sentient. And that's another important definition. So evolved proto vectors. As as it happens, every mm-hmm. picture of something I've been able to identify as a blip in the book. Uh-huh tends to be a lizard or a salamander with a lot of colors. Sure. Which I think of as dragons. Because that. that's what they look like to me in a humanoid form. Uh-huh. I'm going to say that that's just a side effect of not devoting too many character portraits to them because Absolutely. Uh, feline tars are much more interesting. That's true. Oh, no, totally. <laughs> well, and they shouldn't, they should represent one five hundred thousand of the, of the characters portrayed in the book. This We're going to need some more books. I know. This one pixel in the main rule book, <laughs> that's the blip pixel. Oh, I, I, I'm trying to make sense of these things. It's, it's a role-playing game. and Well, and don't, don't look at the corner case. The extreme cases are these characters are bright, colorful um, art projects that someone built and then put into the world as a living creature. Maybe uh-huh. they wanted to create a celebrity or uh-huh. something that was amazing. This is the creator's vision made to life. There are corner cases that we've talked perhaps too much about where there's a more nefarious reason, but this is someone's vision and that's what the rules most support. Certainly in 2.0, they're going to go there. Yeah. In 1.0, I think the, the weight is still on that these are artistic creations, unique, very special snowflakes. Uh-huh. And that's why they were made. Sure. I think using them to represent other species is, it's, it's written in the book as something you can do. I really don't feel like that should be a capital B blip. Right. I think you right. can use the rules for it. But a kangaroo is not a blip. A kangaroo is a kangaroo. They 
They're like any other vector. They're just their junk is reversed. Um, <laughs> and it does make complete sense to me how how blips and AIs, the considerations for them would be very very similar. Yeah. So yeah, that that that, that, that makes sense. And yeah, and yeah, what, how are AIs treated? Are AIs people? That, that's that's a very interesting question when you've got a lot of them bouncing around. Totally different topic, though. <laughs> okay, dropping it. I think the critical point that really brought me around to blips as a concept, uh-huh. because originally my my original answer was, is a snow leopard a blip? I said, yeah, why not? It's it's just the pressure release for the creativity side. But I mean, if you if you start taking the concept that the blip is a branch, a feature branch off of like the original vector, they're not vectors anymore, and then they do have a very specific purpose. Um, and that puts them appropriately in the expanded book, along with the exonyms and the cogsiones and the cogs themselves, as these are not vectors. They walk, they talk, they are considered part of vector society, but they are fundamentally not vectors, and yeah. they have special rules. They sparkle too much. Sure. And you know, the, the, uh, that's, a, that's a totally reasonable story. For, for that to be a character story, I don't think they should be linked to a particular character template. They aren't. They're linked to the lack of one. There's a few minor things. The stat, the negative stats are are bound to their description. Uh-huh. Beyond that, they're very flexible. The only restraints are that you can only have X num. Effectively, you can have X number of character points bound into them, or you're making something that isn't a PC anymore. Uh-huh. And that's the game balance slash Mars Co justification of same. I would really hope in the next edition, and I, I know that this is the case, that the need for a blip is firmly ensconced as sparkle, 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 special, special, and not as a way of building something that you just didn't have the tools to build some other way. Right. Because that is, I, it's not a direction I would want my table to go. Yeah. Wait, your blip is a hyper-intelligent 20-ton biotank? <laughs> what the <laughs> I'm, well, I'm going to have to say no to that. I'm playing a vectored ogre. <laughs> <laughs> My character's name is Bolo. <laughs> Thank you. Not that there's that obscure. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for. <laughs> okay. Thank you for entertaining us in our special snowflake conversation. Uh, it's very much appreciated. And we will talk to you soon from Lake Voltaire or some other place, possibly. Take care and catch the outro line. Is the room shaking to you? A little bit. Yeah, I've been worried about that. I think someone got a strike. Intro music is Future Club and outro music is Tronicles, both by Serious Beat. This podcast is copyright 2017 by Radio Free Demos and may be used in any not-for-profit project with appropriate credit and notification. Check out our website, RadioFreeDemos.com. That's D-E-I-M-O-S. For more rambling, resources, links to official and fan-driven content, and our full catalog of episodes. And look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.